and welcome to the 58th episode of The Week with Roger, the conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? Does that mean I've said now 58 times I'm good? I'm I think great. it does. I think it yeah. does. I'm, I'm Maybe we should mix it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can sense a little bit of pep in your step, and I think that's because it's earnings season again. So just to let folks on the that are listening know, we're recording this uh, before the AT&T earnings call, but after the Verizon earnings call. So we're going to talk about Verizon and TrackPhone today. I thought this was a pretty middle-of-the-road quarter, Roger, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's... It was okay, right? Uh, Where I was a little bit disappointed in was this was the most generous handset promotion that Verizon ever did. In Q3. In Q3. And handset upgrade rate year over year down. So it went from, what was it, 49 to 4.7%, which to be fair is still relatively high, particularly for Verizon. I did think that the the net ads number was certainly better than last quarter, right? So they got 699,000 postpaid net ads, 429 of those were phone. If we look at like what it, what we saw last quarter, it was 528 postpaid net and 275. And last year, the iPhone came out after it came out this year. So they had like a day or two last year in it, and it's like a lot more this year. And still it went down. I'm not sure I would call it a lot more, right? So the iPhone came out on, I believe, on the 24th of September. So there's a week's worth of iPhone sales in this Q3 number. So, But to your point, the iPhone didn't come out until you know mid-October last year. So it wasn't in any of the Q3 numbers. That having been said, what I would say is that you know this this was a typical Verizon quarter in the sense that they grew service revenue. They're they're upping their guidance to four percent service revenue growth for the year, right? So, you know, at, as we know, Verizon tends to be a very kind of financially guided and and, and conservative company in a lot of respects. And so, to see them have you know you know pretty okay nets numbers, but but grow their revenue on their base. You know, I think is is not surprising to me. No, because it, it's it's true to course. You know, with Verizon, the first quarter sucks. You know, you can't say it any, and and this year it sucked even more than than ever. And then they they shovel themselves out of the hole that they dug themselves in the first quarter. And second quarter is better than first. Third is better than second. And I expect fourth quarter to be better than third. Well, so what I would say is that in Q1, they definitely had some some hurdles that they they didn't clear yeah. in terms of sub numbers. Q2 is better, to your point, and and your Q3 continues to get better. So, but I still think Verizon will be third, right, of of the nationwide operators from a postpaid net perspective. Yeah, especially from a postpaid phone net perspective. Right. Well, what I would say is that. To date, Verizon has been first in terms of service revenue growth, right? Which is presumably what shareholders should care about and people managing the business should care about. Yes and no, but their strategy is exactly the opposite of of AT&T, right? Mm -hmm. Verizon says, show me the money now and we'll talk about the subgrowth. 
whereas AT&T basically says, I'll build the sub-base now, and I'll worry about the money later when I have a bigger sub-base. It's really nice to see completely opposite strategies, and we can find out which one is working better in the long run, right? The stock price for both companies sucks too, right? <laughs> so, so they had no credit from Wall Street either way. Right, because they're both dividend stocks, right? I mean, let's be honest. But where they were very good in both consumer and in, in business was attaching connected devices. In business, they actually connected tablets. In consumer, they lost tablets. But they, I would assume, added a lot of watches to this. Apple says thank you. Right. So this is actually a pretty balanced quarter in terms of the performance from the consumer and the business segments, right? So typically what we've seen is that business will overperform and kind of drag consumer along or vice versa. And this is the first time in a while when we saw almost equal contribution from business and consumer from a net's perspective. The one thing I thought was interesting on the business side, they're breaking out you know, business by verticals. They showed actually a negative net number or negative revenue number from uh, public sector this quarter compared to last quarter. Yeah, and public sector used to be that pillar of strength uh, when it comes to business wireless, and that completely evaporated. So the question here becomes, when AT&T reports their first net number, are they winning against Verizon? Or is this a general weakness in, you know, in, in public sector? Yeah, so I think that's going to be really interesting, right? So you know, just to kind of poke at the numbers here a bit, their wireless retail postpaid net ads for business were 276. That was entirely on the back of commercial small and medium business and global enterprise. And they don't have the number here on the deck, but the public sector bar is under the lines, which indicates negative nets for public sector. Yeah, it's like probably like 10, 20,000. Because when you look at if anybody follows with the earnings deck, the, those lines look like 250,000 and 500,000 sublines and you know they made it difficult but if you take a, a measuring stick you can f- exactly figure out how much it is right why pay play the games give the number spare us with the measuring stick right so they also um turn went up just a tiny little bit on both the business and on the consumer side for phone and we did some back of the envelope calculations and if you look at you know how many nets they would have gotten had their turn not changed or not not gone up a little bit, they left about 150,000 nets on the table vis-a-vis kind of rising churn year over year. Yeah, and that would have moved that net ad number from, what, 400 and small change to six and 650, 680 or something like that, right? Right. So, you know, there's always cyclical aspects to this sort of thing. And I think the pandemic stone a wrench in some of those year-over-year comparisons. But, you know, were we to have had a similar return to what we saw last year, they would have landed with, you know, about 150,000 more postpaid phone nets. I was surprised they were not complaining about supply chain shortages. That I was surprised about. Well, I think they had spoken at an investor conference about a month ago, and I think they talked about they had some issues with their CP. But they're not doing, you know, they're not doing a lot of, a huge amount of fiber build-outs, right, like AT&T is. And I know AT&T had some issues with Corning in terms of their fiber supply chain. They build a 1,000 miles of fiber a month. That's a ton. And But what's really interesting is 
they actually gave a breakout of wireless broadband, fixed broadband, which was quite nice as well. Right. So for the first time, they're they're splitting out their fixed wireless business from their wireline business, which is inclusive of Fios and legacy DSL. They're not splitting out Fios from, from DSL at the top line from a Nets perspective. Yeah, but DSL is not growing. You know, we know that. Fios outgrows DSL. DSL is probably shrinking. The trend is the same and AT&T, I think, breaks it out now and then. AT&T says DSL is shrinking, their fiber is growing. I would be shocked if it would be any different at, at Verizon, right? So they probably lost 10, 20,000 DSLs. That would be my guess. If you look at their total broadband net ads, they added 129,000 subscribers. 55,000 of those folks were fixed wireless subs. So again, that's the first time they've broken that out. And that's you know, relatively material. So we know they're going to turn C-band on in Q4 when they get that spectrum cleared up. And they did highlight on the call that a lot of the, the CPs they're using with the, with the fixed wireless subscribers uh, are C-band compatible. And so they'll be able to you know, step people up to, to faster speeds once they get access to that spectrum. And I think that's why they reported it. They wanted to put in, put in the market, look, we had 55,000 fixed wireless in the third quarter, who cares about fourth, right? But here in the first next year, they can show this positive trend line of how fixed wireless takes off based on on, on C-band. Well, and they talked about how they, they were seeing new subs, not just in rural areas, but in more urban areas as well. So, you know, I think this growing conflict between, you know, the wireless providers providing broadband and the cable companies providing uh, wireless service is only going to get more more intense, right? And it puts pressure on T-Mobile to report their fixed wireless. They always talk this big game and show no numbers. Right. Verizon showed numbers, right? It's still still early days, right? Still early days. But I do, I, I would expect or hope that, that T-Mobile would start reporting that soon, right? Right, 55,000, you know, it's not that huge, but I think they want to show the trajectory. Well, you're mo- you're monetizing excess capacity, right? I mean, that's essentially the fixed wireless business. It's free money lying around. So let's let's talk about TrackPhone, the the soon to be acquired or or maybe soon to be acquired prepaid player. What were your thoughts on how TrackPhone did this quarter? It, it was a quarter of surprises. By the way, let's go back to Verizon's prepaid numbers. They were down, you know. Well, they lost four four thousand subs last quarter. They gained four thousand subs. Is four thousand subs? You know, my running joke with visible continues to stay invisible, right? I, I was surprised that they didn't verbally reiterate that they think that they close in the fourth quarter because I think probably their hope is running out too. I don't think this happens in the fourth quarter. Straight talk was down. This was for the first time ever that I remember that Straight Talk subscriber numbers at TrackPhone went down by like 200,000. Well, so I, that's actually not surprising me, right? Because what else happened in Walmart? You know, so the so Straight Talk exactly. is you know, the Walmart brand for TrackPhone, right? What else, what else happened with Walmart and another wireless carrier this, this quarter? I, they, they got all cozy and friendly and, and started selling there. With T-Mobile, T-Mobile, right? T-Mobile started selling in Walmart. Head to head, right? But other brands, which is almost 20 of them, went down too. 
and SafeLink, which is their Lifeline brand, went up, which is a complete reversal to what we've seen before. And America Mobile complained that it was supply chain shortages that they didn't get enough phones. Now, you can believe that, or you can look at every other market that America Mobile served where their subscriber number grew. So basically, really, America Mobile, so you shortchanged the U.S., but not every other market that you serve. There's a supply chain shortage just in the U.S. I don't believe it. It's a global supply chain shortage. So this was, as you said, problems at Walmart. And Walmart is a is an extremely important outlet for, for them. And SafeLink went up. And SafeLink, for me, is that proxy of, of Lifeline. So that indicates to me that some stimulus payment things or the running out of stimulus payment is showing up here, right? Right. So the stimulus payments ended in September, right? So you would expect at least some of that to, to hit at the end of the quarter, right? But now the big question is, the guys for who prepaid is an afterthought are taking over a prepaid company that is increasingly getting into trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where will this go, you know? Well, I think I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I think that you know, my perspective is that you know, Verizon t- tends to be very regimented in, re- in terms of the way they, get, they go to market and the, the profitability they demand from their product lines. And you know, my guess is that they would probably have a little firmer hand on the till in terms of managing a prepaid business. Oh, I don't think so. Trackphone are awesome in this. TrackPhone is by far the best one, even though F.J. Polak, God have mercy on his soul, you know, who who was the heart and soul of this company and, and that left when he left and, and passed away. Well, you just proved my point for me, right? What you're saying is that TrackPhone used to be a lot better than it is, right? And they're about to get a new owner. They will get a new owner within the next year or two. Right, that tends to be you know very financially disciplined. So I would guess, and we can we can make bets on this if you want. But TrackPhone is run like the the acquisition side was run by by FJ, and and he did miracles here. Best exec, one of the best executives ever. And the retention side was run or is run by Mexican accountants. So this company is extremely well run, and I don't think. Verizon can do much better in running this. They they might be eking a little a little bit margin out because uh, of the wholesale spread, but other than that, it's going to be tough. You know, so so the, the Verizon guys will be like, okay, we need to turn this around. Otherwise, you know, the the buying a sinking ship. Well, I think the numbers would suggest that TrackPhone is not doing as well as it has done historically, right? Whether or not that coincides with FJ no longer running TrackPhone, I think is up for debate. I, I do think that the Verizon folks will come in with this with a little bit firmer hand, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some better, some positive movement from from TrackPhone post acquisition. I'm I'm looking forward to that. The margins for TrackPhone have become better and better and better, but relatively modest, right? EBITDA margin is now, you know, around. 13%, 14%, depending on the quarter. 144 this quarter. So it's pretty 
well-run company. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, with Sprint coming over, does the Jill Emilio line line repeat itself, you know? Uh, when he was the, the CEO of Apple, he said, like, you know, I know the ship is sinking and my job is to point it in the right direction. So we'll see what happens here, right? So it will be very interesting, but... <laughs> I think they're really lucky if they close this in first quarter. So we can watch this another two quarters of how this behaves. Yeah, and we've got more more earnings coming up, right? So yeah. AT&T, probably by the time this podcast hits, we'll have reported. I think we'll be want to look at you know how they're doing with postpaid phone nets. They've been kind of on a tear recently. you know, And then T-Mobile typically comes a couple of weeks after that. I'm curious to see how everybody does with this kind of first week of iPhone as well as, you know, some of the the fixed wireless stuff at T-Mobile. What are you looking for, Roger? I think AT&T will, will have, again, the most postpaid phone ads, followed by T-Mobile, especially after they turned on the free line promo again, which uh, helps them there, but, but which is like a bad sign, too, for their organic growth. Well, I mean, that's 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 the question, though, right? At, at what cost for both T-Mobile and for AT&T, right? I mean, yeah. if you're selling free units, I mean, that's that's not going to help your bottom line in the long run, right? Well, but the, the question is, like, how do you monetize it, right? And I think AT&T rightfully said, like, you know, we, we stop being the gift that keeps on giving every other wireless carrier. And so... I think the focus on on wireless has done this company good. The question is, when will Wall Street reward this? Because right now, I think it's it's overly pessimistic on them. We're not financial analysts; we're we're industry analysts, and we look at it from a different perspective. We take that into account, but we look much more for long-term growth and and how competitive are you in the market than, you know, how many dollars did you make this quarter? It's important, very important, but still not that dramatic. And, you know, to Verizon's credit, and we talked about it, uh, you talked about it, profit went up again. So, I mean, if you were coming to me and say you're going to have positive nets, your profit's going to go up, your churn might go up a I think it went up three tenths of a percent on the consumer side or three hundredths of a percent on the consumer side. You know, I would come back and say that's a pretty decent quarter. I think they execute against their plan very well. And their plan calls for revenue growth and, and profit growth. Their, their plan that they articulated does not include subgrowth, right? And we see that. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for this week. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you. Bye.